Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Ogletree Deacons podcast. My name is Karen Tynan, and I'm a shareholder in the Sacramento, California office. And here with me today is one of my favorite colleagues, Kevin Bland, a shareholder in our Orange County office. Today, we're talking about informal conferences and settlement conferences in the Cal OSHA forum. It may seem boring, but it is an important part of appealing citations. So understanding the settlement process helps understand the appeal process, some best practices, and frankly, what employers can do. So Kevin, let's get started with just some of the basics of the informal conference, and, and then we'll, we'll dive deeper. Get us started. Sure. sure. Well, basically, an informal conference is you sitting down with the district manager where the citation was issued from and sometimes uh, the inspector and and so it's that it's an informal discussion an informal uh, settlement conference and we'll talk about timing in a minute but but it's really the first opportunity you you have to uh, talk outside of the investigation now on this basic premise is some folks talk, want to start negotiating out of their citations before they're issued. Right. <laughs> That's not an informal conference. That's what I call more evidence against you. Right. So you can make some more admissions <laughs> yeah, that can be yeah. in the inspector's notes. Right. And I notice employers will really get focused on that language on the citations. It says, you can request an informal conference within 10 days, and they're hot to trot that they've got to have an informal conference on day eight. Can you help with that? <laughs> Absolutely. As a matter of fact, this is almost a call I have daily with a client when they get a citation package. That is not the required time frame. Number one, it is what they would love to do is have you come in early on before you've appealed it and get this thing to go uh, away. But the bottom line is that is just uh, a time frame. Now, what the law says is uh, an employer has a right to an informal conference anytime up to and including you i've had informal conferences in the hallway be- right before the trial the morning starts of trial. right Let's go out and have an so informal. so there is no real uh statutory deadline for an informal conference fed state folks ignore this because they have it's a necessary step to put in your notice of contest but we're talking about california here and so that's why another reason we get because everyone in the rest of the the world does it slightly different and i don't know if this is the time to talk about what i think and maybe uh, karen on doing one do you want to have don't you want to have the file know exactly what evidence right i i generally don't even schedule the informal until i have the divisions file that I've reviewed it with the client. So I understand admissions, photos, documents, and everything. So the earliest I'm really going to have an informal conference is about 60 days after citations. I'm never going to go into an informal conference 
without knowing what does the division have? What does the inspector have up his sleeve? Because you're really negotiating from a blind spot. Exactly. Which any negotiation book, any mediator, attorney, any kind of professional will tell you don't negotiate when you don't know information. (laughs) That reminds me, the reason I'm chuckling over here is I have this conversation oftentimes where I'll get a client gets new client get citations, they tell me the story, and they say, what do you think? I said, I think until we get the discovery file from Calosha, <laughs> I don't know, even though I've been doing this for 20 years, because I don't can't tell you how many times I get the story from the client, and yes. what we hear is, I've got a slam dunk, we can defend this thing, and we get the file, and it has a bunch of stuff in it they had no idea, the folks said, and the reverse, where they think it went totally south, and they don't have a chance, and then the inspector didn't document 90% of it, and we've got a slam dunk case win. And exactly. so I quit that, and that's why same premise for the in, informal conference. Wait until you know what evidence Kalosha actually has. And along those lines, how do you evaluate the client's goals in an informal conference? How do you work with a client on that for an informal conference? Oh, that's a, that's a good question because that is something important to figure out up front. You know, is the goal penalty reduction? Well, penalty reduction, I'll just be frank, for the most part, you can always get some penalty reduction. Yes. Except for on a serious accident related, because there's statutory requirements for reduction, you have to then get a characterization change. You have to get the accident related removed from the serious in order to get a penalty reduction. But for the most part, if you're retaining you or I, it's probably not for penalty reduction. It's for evaluating and seeing if we can get a reclassification from a serious to a general, from a serious accident related to a general, or a withdrawal. The one thing that I always try to explain in the when we're going into these, if your goal is a withdrawal, buckle up and prepare for trial. Because settlement is just that. It's settling, the division settling for less than what they wanted and us settling for a little more than what we wanted because it's a compromise. That's not to say that we haven't had withdrawals in the negotiation, but they're usually in exchange for something. And also settlement conferences today are so much different than they were six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago. I can't tell you how many times come and say, well, I did the last settlement conference I did, they withdrew everything. I go, what year was that? Oh, well, that was 2016. I go, okay, well, different governor, I think, different leadership. uh, leadership. So it's a different animal today. Uh, And so when you go into these, you have to know who. And then negotiating with the state is much different than negotiating with the uh, another business. Right. They're really watching dollars and saying they may make a business decision. That's not what Kalosha is thinking about. They're not thinking about the dollars. They're thinking about the classification. Uh, and other factors that go into their program review from federal OSHA. And so knowing that that going in will help you and manage the expectations and understand where the pinch points are and the pry points. So let me ask you this, Kevin. So when, let's say we're having an informal conference fairly early in a case, couple months in after citations and the injured employee has gotten party status and we'll get a question from a client like, oh no, they're gonna you know, show up at the informal conference really, you know, they're mad, um, they haven't been happy with their workers' comp benefits, they're, whatever. What do you think 
happens if an employee or a union has party status either at informal conferences or settlement conferences? What, what do you see them doing? Can they really muck things up like that? What do you think? Well, can they? Yes, but you can't let it, right? So you have to manage that. But the bottom line is a settlement can be between two parties. And the two parties in this case with the third party mm-hmm. is you, the employer, and the division. And so in a settlement, you can have private conversation without their presence in a settlement discussion of the uh, citations. They may have some input to the division in their own private conversations about it, but they don't necessarily have legal veto power. Yes. And and so you got to keep that in, in mind. And I have had many cases where we have settled with a very fair settlement and sometimes you know sometimes the workers comp applicants uh attorney because they got an snw but where it does get mucked up less in settlement and more if we get the trial and i know we're not talking about the trial but that's where yes. it can sometimes uh take a different different road so we've talked about informal conferences i think california employers will also hear the term judicial settlement conference or settlement conference in a case. What do you think about the timing for settlement conferences? What should employers expect in that settlement conference process? Oh, that's a good question because I, I, and I know we've talked about this, love what they've referred to sometimes as the TLC, which is where the judge is involved, telephonic settlement conference, or, or now it's Zoom settlement conference. And the reason I love those is you have an ALJ that hears these cases day in and day out yes. that, that sets in the settlement conference and acts as a mediator, free of charge, by the way. You don't yes. have to pay this mediator. And that judge then can help two things. One is help push it to settlement. But number two is give us a good read on the strength and weaknesses of our arguments about the case, how the Agreed. judge is viewing it, and they won't hear the case at trial. So it's kind of an open dialogue. You can talk to them in private, get a good sense of how they're feeling about it. Now, a necessary step, what most of the judges want now, is that informal, but we're talking six, eight, nine months into the case. So you may have had one, two, three informal discussions and hit an impasse, and that's when you want that judge Uh, intervention. Right. So you can go to a status conference on a Monday, which is when we have our status conferences, and hopefully the other side agrees. And you can say, Your Honor, I really think we could do with some judicial assistance. We'd like a settlement conference in a couple of months, and it'll be calendared with a different judge, right? Not your cases judge. And sometimes you'll submit a brief, maybe photos, And I find them to be very effective. And I also think that it's helpful for the clients to hear how a judge is analyzing. Yes, very good point. It it gives them a read also. And the one thing, too, that I think is very important going into these, and I I think you'll agree with me, Karen, is knowing the particular judge that is going to be your settlement conference judge. And why do I say that? Because they all have some different 
likes and needs. Yes. Like uh, one particular judge loves to get the entire DOSH file in advance so they can look through it and get a really good sense of them. Another one, if you send that to them, they'll say, I don't want this. Why did you send this to me? Yes. Right. And then some like the briefs, like you said. Some, some really like photos. Photos, right. right. They yeah. say, oh, I, I need to be able to picture it in my head. And yeah. so I'm loading up a bunch of photos. Right. And okay, judge, if this yeah. helps you help us, have yeah. at it. And also keep in mind, too, along those lines is, and people don't realize this, in that settlement conference, you can choose for things to be private between you and that particular judge and not the other side. So let's say you have some sort of diagram that you don't want to bring out yet until it gets to trial, if it goes to trial, but you want the judge to have an understanding. Yes. You can say this is confidential and private between the mediator. It's not an ex parte communication because they're not the hearing judge. They're the settlement yes. judge. And you can go into a private room with them and have candid conversations and say, look, I'll share this with you. I don't want this shared with the other side. Yes, I, I have found that helpful also. So those settlement conferences, you know, I think they have a pretty good success rate. I, I'd say for me, it's over 50%. And I don't mean that it always is just one settlement conference. Sometimes you don't quite get there in one, and the judge will say, I'll give you a second settlement conference. Let's meet back in a month. Let's go talk to our clients. Uh, they may say, you know what, I, I couldn't really tell from this photograph. Can you, can you look and give me some more information? Right? Yes. No, I agree. And I think I hold, well, at least the record according to this particular judge, we had six. <laughs> and, and you say, well, oh, my gosh, why six? But because that case, the judge was like pushing the division because right. we had in trying to get them to come off the dime, and which we eventually did. We got a better deal at the end of those six than what we decided to offer up front before we went to those settlement conferences, trying well, to get the case go. out of the way. And that happens often, oftentimes. And I think the point that you just made about additional time, this has helped tremendously and helps us for trial if we don't settle. So you figure out some of the holes that you may not yes. have known was a hole before. So I right, find them. Right. Yeah. The judge might say, I don't see this measurement. Help me. Right. And, and so I try to have a takeaway from any settlement conference where I kind of uh, have a learning experience for, oh, I could do this yeah. better or, you know, this kind of document is helpful. No, absolutely. And, and also, we may be poking those same holes in the division's case, and we're talking to the division, saying, well, what are you going to, how does this work? Well, that's just the way we want it to work. Well, the, how does that work? Well, that's how we want it to work. When the judge asks them to explain it, they can't just parrot back what the law says to right. us. They're forced to have an answer, and sometimes that pushes. The arm twisting so, certainly yeah. helps. Yeah, um, and they may do it to us, too, by the way. Course. Yeah, uh, and they have, and they do. Uh, I don't want to make this all one-sided, um, but uh, I, I guess bottom line, to conclude that little part of this, settlement conferences with the judge are good. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's well worth the resources and the time. Yes, exactly. absolutely. So uh, sometimes clients have a bit of a misperception about what quote-unquote settlement means. So I want to talk about that because maybe companies are used to civil litigation or settlements in wrongful termination cases or something and when you maybe work out a settlement 
they expect to get a 10-page document with non-admissions clauses, confidentiality clauses, non-disparagement, attorney's fees, you know, arbitration, all this. But what is it really, Kevin? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's let everyone have a peek at that. Oh, absolutely. So it's actually getting there is complicated, but once you're there, it's very simple. The division rep and you come up with a meeting of the minds that literally say citation one, item one, was a serious, now general, and so on and so like forth. Like a little and the bullet penalty. point list. Bullet points, and then you send that to the judge, and the judge approves it. Or does I have had two not approved, and because they felt like it was actually in our favor, but that's very rare. But you still have to have judge approval, and then the judge will then write a settlement order, which is the the replacement of this settlement agreement that I think folks think of in, in civil. Right. And the order will will have the non-admissions clause, which is standard language. It, we don't negotiate additional language in it. We negotiate whether it has a non-admissions clause or not. Yes. Had them try to not give us that. And the terms will just be in what's considered a final order. And the reason that I think is important for us to recognize it's a final order is that it still has force and effect within the division for collection of penalties and for repeat of whatever you accepted yes. in the end of the settlement. But that non-admissions clause, it stops third parties from using it as a finding of fact or a conclusion of law regarding the alleged citations. So that's huge whenever you have an S&W case hanging out there, a serious and willful case in workers' comp, maybe civil litigation flying Absolutely. around on a third-party case, or prequals. There is an argument if you have prequalifications where they're looking at your record, you can say, look, this was settled. There was no finding a fact or conclusion of law regarding this yes. serious. So that's all very helpful in that arena. So the judge issues the order. Um, what typically happens is, you know, I'd say a day or two after we submit our proposed settlement, we'll get an order, and then the order has to be posted, the settlement order, at the work site, and the order becomes final in 30 days, and that's when the penalty payment is due. Right, and the final abatement, if yes. there's anything left if to be If there's any pending abatement. Yeah. And so I think it's important to remember that even when you get that final order, you may have a few tasks to do. <laughs> yes. You know, sometimes people are just like, glory, hallelujah, this is done. And a few days later, I have to say, oh, pardon me, but I need you to do a couple things. Right, right. Well, and I'm going to add one more thing onto that, Karen, too, is that 30-day window. That's when you need to make sure you've looked at that settlement order, make sure it matches what you submitted on your email. I've had agreement. a mistake before. I have had, yeah. And so you need to send an email. If you if you're beyond that 30 days, you're you're kind of out of. Right. I've had a judge window. make a typo. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you simply email back, of course, with your opposing counsel on the email and say, "Oh, Your Honor, I think there's a typo. You meant two one instead of three one." for the citation rep, something like that. But so I think it's critical that when you get the order, you look at it immediately, you compare it to your notes, you double check it against the citations. I've had the wrong regulation referenced before right, in, on, right. a, on the grid where it shows accepted versus vacated. So I think that's a really good practice point that you brought up, Kevin. Do we want to touch real quick on notice in lieu of citation? 
Go for it, Kev. So real quick, this there is this thing that's called a notice in lieu of citation. If you're in settlement, you need to make sure you're clear that they're withdrawing the citation and issuing a notice in lieu of citation. Because without that withdrawal in your settlement agreement, then it well, they will try to say classified as notice. Uh, notice is not a classification. We've had that uh, issue come up uh, before. So very important to withdraw the citation and issue a notice in lieu of citation if that's what the agreement was. 100% agree. Uh, I think this was really helpful. I like this subject. I know we could probably do another uh, two or three on this, but I think informal conferences and settlement conferences are an important part of the rights of California employers and understanding them is critical. Absolutely, Karen. Well, thanks for listening to us today. Look for our blog articles on ogletree.com and stay safe. Thanks, everyone. Have a safe and happy day. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.